I kind of messed up here, guys. Um, long story short, I recorded this episode, my favourite episode of The Downbeat, the best chat I've ever had with one of the best humans I've ever had the pleasure of making my acquaintance. Um, I recorded it with two separate lapel microphones and I did some messed up stuff that overwrote my own microphone so I've used some studio magic to try and level it out um if you can hear past that then the chat is probably my favorite episode of the downbeat um just finished up a tour with under oath Aaron Gillespie and the rest of under oath were probably the nicest most accommodating headliners I've ever had the pleasure of being on tour with amazing guys we have a chat about the tour we have a chat about his time in Paramore that rhymed there's a bunch of stuff please don't listen to it on headphones maybe put it on if you listen to it on a speaker it sounds pretty good anyway what we've done what I want to do right with certain guests that have a sort of a hobby or something that they liked um Aaron loves NASCAR I'm doing a shirt. It'll be up, I don't know, until the next episode. Um, we've done a NASCAR Aaron Gillespie shirt on www.thedownbe.at, so it spells downbeat. It'll only be up for maybe, I don't know, 48 hours. I don't know. And, and what I'm going to do, because no one does this, no one gets paid to do podcasts, I'm going to split the money from the T-shirt with Aaron. Um, and any future guests, if they've got a cool thing they want to do, I might have to do this again, because I love this T-shirt. Um, yeah. That's about it, really. Got a Patreon, and I got a quid. Give us it. Um, other than that, just ignore the shitty microphones. It will never happen again. I'm an idiot. When I found out that I'd erased one of the mics, which of mine, luckily, Aaron's mic is untouched. Um, I literally cried. It's Aaron Gillespie on the Downbeat Podcast. Downbeat Podcast. The Downbeat Podcast. With Aaron. With Aaron. Mm-hmm. Famous Aaron. Mm-hmm. How... Am I famous? You know, I was thinking last night while I was drunk, and if anyone, you can't see this, but... At I'm, the bends. I'm using a... Liquid IV. Liquid IV, and I can't stop shaking, because I got so fucking hammered last night. Did you puke, hammered? No. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I'm a grown man, but... Just look at that. Yeah, that's drunk. That's fucking... That's probably... You were, you were drunk until what time? Five. Yeah, see, that's why you needed to do a proper sleep. I did. And yeah. here we are with the liquid IV hydration multiplier. Thank you. And this is what I was thinking of last night. Okay. How... Like, you were, like... Back in the day, I mean, obviously now as well, but, like, you were, like, a super famous drummer. Like... One of the famous guys. Really? Yeah. It was Aaron, like, when you were on my look back in the day. Okay. We don't want to just talk about drums. I don't really want to talk about drums at all. We can talk about them some. I think but. there's things to be talked about, if you want. Ooh, beef. Um, no but beef. Like, but then but. You're, you, like, you became, like, a famous, famous drummer guy. Is that just from Under I guess. I mean, back, back when we started, you didn't, like, people weren't making YouTube vids and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I guess maybe... Is it because you sing as well? When we started, like, when we started playing, and the band first took off, like, 04 through 06, drum companies before then, so sticks and heads and cymbals and all the bullshit, they were doing, like, Dave Weckl and Carter Buford, and yeah. there wasn't a ton of rock guys. There were some, but they were huge bands. 
You know what I mean? So I feel like I was maybe one of the first guys that like was on a minor box that wasn't from like a huge band. It was from like a quotation fingers sing band or whatever. Maybe that's why. Or maybe it's the singing. That why it was like it was weird because it was only you from. I don't know. I can't think of another band. Not that Underoak wasn't massive, but another band that was like, like you said, not a fucking. There were way bigger bands at the time though. Like we at the time we were touring with Taking Back Sunday and My Kim and the Used, who were way bigger at the time. You know, all of those bands were fucking huge. I couldn't name you one of those drums. And I don't. So I don't know. I, I. I. And it makes me. It feels funny to talk about sometimes because. I don't think I have the, and we've talked about this in the last six weeks, I don't think I have the fucking juice to be the guy on the box as a player. You are, you are the most, I'll, I'll preface this whole thing, you're the most welcoming band mm. I've ever torn, toured with, and I was like a Sweet. little bit apprehensive, not even apprehensive, just like, I wonder if Aaron's going to be a dick. And you are the complete opposite. I tried to preface... you the nicest person I've ever talked with. I tried to preface, like, by becoming online friends with you because I'm such a fan of... And this sounds dumb, but I'm such a fan of the podcast and of the streams and stuff, the Downbeat brand, because I think that... And I, we can get into this later, but I, I like that it's not, it's not a drummer's thing. Even though you're a drummer and you film yourself playing drums, you're, like, kind of making fun of yourself for being a drummer all the time. That's it. Do you know what I mean? That's it. And I feel like today, in the drum world, people are so serious, yeah. you know? And you have all the bullshit. I'm not going to, you know, people that are listening to this have seen you. You have all the cameras and you have the light, but you're sort of taking the piss out of yourself. And so when I first, I hadn't met you, I'd met the rest of the band, and I'm such a fan of the band, but I was like, this guy is one of my people. You know what I mean? Big drummers who... You play so well every night, and you take it seriously, but you're not like... <laughs> I'm afraid of getting in trouble for the things that I want to say, because I've never done just a drummer podcast, but... It's not a drummer podcast! I know, no, Your whole conversation you're having right now is telling me that it's not a drummer I know, but you know what I mean, though. Like, drummers listen to this, and a ton of non-drummers do, but, like, I feel like... And it, dude, there's so many talented fucking people playing drums on YouTube, so let me preface all of it with saying that. But I feel sometimes, like, it's a little bit like jerking off on camera. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's performative. Yeah. And for me, like, sex is always better than beating off. I'm exactly the same. Do you know what I mean? So when you do it live... Do you want to know a side note? Go on. Just to keep it on the downbeat brand. I think I've jerked off three times in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. You're just that good looking. <laughs> Fucking hell, dude. I just, when, I, when I stopped, I was like, just, just fuck it more. I mean, yeah. So I'm using that as a, as a drum analogy. Where, when you play drums in front of people, that's the release. And this is no slight to you, because I've watched all your drum videos and you're so talented, but you're better out there as a player. Because, but here's, thank you. You might not think you are, because I've heard you say shit in the last six weeks, but I do think that you're better out there but that is because thank you but that's also because of the the exact you saying this is one of my people is because imagine if I was doing you know when I play the shows here and I get into it and I fucking you do as well and I stand up and fucking punch stuff or whatever imagine if I was doing that on Instagram like 
just that's what I'm fucking yeah, saying. People what, do though. Yeah, and, it's and like, that's where I'm like, that sucks though. Yeah. Because when I watch you play, you don't play with half the intensity you do in front of the in front yeah. of the light as you do. Because it would be like you know, literally exactly. So why do you think? So why do you think that drummers do it then? Because it does make you a name. It's honestly even like endorsements now. From a business point of view, it actually makes much, much more sense for a company to give some guy on the internet symbols True. than it, than a guy that's touring because the amount of people, like let's say there's 2,000 people here tonight, the percentage of them that are drummers, let's say maybe that's fucking 2%. Or they're off their heads drunk and they're not going to uh, remember what yeah, they saw or whatever. they can't see your symbols or whatever. Got it. Versus on the internet, overhead shot, there's the symbols, 20,000 people see it and 19,000 of them are the drummers. So I get it from a business point of view, but I also get, like, it isn't cool. Well, don't get me wrong, if Zildjian approaches me, they did with the Sweet Ride line in 2018 or 2019, I did all those videos. If someone of them approached me and were like, hey, we're making this new shit, like we want you to do, I would do it. But I'm talking about of my own volition. I don't think that I would ever make videos, which I think has injured me though, is because you, like, you started this by saying you were like famous as a drummer, and that has died in, in some ways, in many ways, but here's, no, but here's why, let me tell you why. Because the companies that endorse me, who I'm so grateful for, Gretchen, and Remo, and Vic Firth, and Zildjian, they don't even approach me anymore because they know I'm not gonna make my own content. You see what I'm saying? And for me, I can't be bothered to do it. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, but I get, and I get that. Because it's like the same, like, I don't really make any drum content when I'm on tour because I can't be bothered either. Right. But it's more of a like, it gets me work when I'm at home by putting the clips up. Well, I asked you the other day, I'm, as a songwriter, that's the bulk of my life, I asked you if you'd be interested when you get home to play on shit. But the only way I knew that is from watching you. I'm watching my shit. So it's like... It is a thing. It's a thing and actually you probably nailed it on the head. Like, I try real... Of course, it's a fucking you interviewing me podcast. Come on, dude. This is great. People I, want this. This is they, the shit they want. They do. Uh, I, like, try and be self-aware of how uncool stuff can look while yeah. at the same time putting it out there so people do offer me stuff. But I think it helps... So I have this thing like with bands. So like, why do why did we have straight from the path on the tour? This big sold out tour we just both did, which is the best tour we've ever done, by the way. Cheers. But why did we do it? A aside from the reason we, I love the music. I listen to straight from the path in the gym all the time, and I have for, I have for a long time. But why did we bring you guys on the tour? And I think this is the, I'm going to tell you the quick answer, is because you don't take yourself too seriously. You see what I mean? Like as a band, the music is real serious. When you're on stage, yeah. it's fucking heavy, and there's only two amps, and it's I, I love the whole aesthetic. But like, if you put a gun to my head and said, "Why is Straight from the Path on this tour?" and I would tell you this answer, I would say because you don't take yourself seriously. You take yourself seriously musically, but as a persona. And I, I'd like to say the same for Under Oath. It's very serious. Yeah, that's why we get on. But no one is like, I need my hour before the show. Don't talk to me afterwards. You see what I'm saying? And I think, I think that you've done that as a streamer with drums. So it feels there's pro mics, it's the fucking thing, yeah. or whatever. But no one's like, 
this dude, if his camera feed goes out, will probably still post it with like the blurry line yeah, or yeah. whatever. I like I like putting mistakes on it. I've seen you mess up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's it's interesting that like I think that helps the younger generation because this is very dad of me. I have two kids, but like if I were to make content, I would want to help those young kids. Exactly. You know, that buy the symbol box. Like, how can I turn you on to some cool shit? Yeah. And teach you to like play your ass off, but also like if you have four or five beers before the show, that's okay too. It's fucking awesome. It's <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. But, like, that's the deal. Like, yesterday I posted a picture of um, our guitar player has a new brewery um, that we're actually going to go to after this. But he, I posted a picture. I had never Chatham, seen it. King State. Uh, King State, the new brewery is called The Brutalist. Lovely yeah. beer. You've had one, lovely. Amazing. So I had one of those beers. I had never had one. You had one before me. It's called a reverse order. And it's yeah, like this yeah, insane. Yeah. And, I, and I posted a picture of it and I said, uh, this is the best beer. Which I love it because it's my homie and it is delicious. But yeah. you say things like that, like it's like that's the best. Yeah. And all these people just fucked me up on the, on the IMs. Are you kidding? Like that's not the best beer. Come to New Jersey and I'll. Oh, and I'm like. You can have my Packies fucking. <laughs> you, you know it's corn beer. It was the whole thing, and I'm like. I was just posting this because the place is cool, and I'm like chilling on my Instagram. And I think if more people in like the online space, the drum space, if it felt more like that. Like, this is the best solo, but there's a mistake in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would turn people on, I think, and I think that you're doing it. And you're the only drummer that I watch online. Because, oh, but I think that's the fucking thing, right? Like, how do we help how do we help, help the next people come out here and get tours? You got, you're a great drummer, but you got tours and jobs because you're cool. See what I'm saying? I like it. I like how much you're gassing me up. Yeah. But while, while we're on the, like, helping the young generation thing, that's the whole reason I'm like... Let's show mistakes and also call out the people that are fucking faking shit because, like, it's it's the equivalent of airbrushing like models or pulling right. the in so yeah. it's like a woman bigger titties like or whatever bigger, yeah bigger boobs like the crazy insane ratios that don't exist and then there's girls looking at that aspiring to be that will never be that and then they get depressed and they get problems the same thing when you've got like 300 bpm blast beats completely edited to the grid mm. uh, and then people are like that's amazing I'll never be like that and I would get bummed with it so I my initial first videos were all like I would edit them mm-hmm. and then I would have insane imposter syndrome because I would after you post them yeah because people oh, would, wow. would comment and go this is like five years ago people would comment and go oh my god that's amazing and I could never take the compliment because in my head I'll go I gridded that like I know I you can't fucking sleep at night. You're like I, 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 yeah. And then, and then I was just like, I think I did one video, and then I was like, um, oh, that's actually pretty good. I'm not gonna edit it. And then I was like, oh, I'm never editing again because then every compliment you get is like, actually, fuck yeah, I did that. And if you feel bad about yourself, you can go back through the videos and be like, oh, actually, I'm pretty good. But I could never do that before. Huh. I, I. You've never edited anything in your life. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, full disclosure, like we do some light editing on records, um, but it's, it's if if we want something to sound like. Um, Craig has just put his wallet on the on the table that's in between us, and he's got a million dollars in it. No, I don't. <laughs> it's like eight inches thick. <laughs> it's all like fucking like torn dollars and stuff. Don't shame me. 
there is, is quite a lot of money in there. My favorite thing is that you were at the bar last night and you paid and you were so drunk you couldn't get the money properly back into your wallet. <laughs> That's yes. what that is. It's a oh my god, what was I doing? <laughs> it's like all fucking twisted in half. It's so bad. There's a lot of singles in here. <laughs> oh, you didn't go to the bands, did you? You went somewhere else. I did not, actually. So that's why I'm confused. Oh, uh, is it 20? That's pretty good. Folded in three pieces. Oh, this is audio only. I'm going to help you out. Have you seen the episode of Curve when he's got that 50? <laughs> yeah. He keeps it in his shoe. Oh, so full disclosure. <laughs> we, do, we do edit things if we want them to be like, if there's like a heavy part where Chris is playing like, like a heavy electronic part, but for the most part, when we do edit, it's to, like we use Pro Tools, and um, no one edits but ourselves, if we're editing on record. Like we don't let like a producer do it. So this last record, I think we edited some stuff to like 16%. So it's very swung, you know? So is that like the Pro Tools when you can affect, when it? Yeah, it's called Beat Detective, so it'll like, it recognizes the regions and it'll make the cuts for you. That's how a lot but of people. there's a slider that you You can go from zero to 100. I've never done it on a hundred. No, me neither. I don't. Yeah. But a lot of stuff now is, though. Fucking and what's, what fucking scares me, we might have had this conversation in the last month or two, but, like, people expect to hear that now. You know, yeah. Voyeurist, which came out June of this year. Thanks for doing my job. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> it, people, are, people, like, ate our lunch about it. I don't like the way it sounds. What? It sounds fucking amazing. You think that. But, like, the modern ear... Oh, because they weren't the gridded. We didn't grid it, and we didn't we didn't rip sound replace, kick, snare, nothing. It's just in there. Hold album. Hold album. One song might have a snare sample, um, as like an effect. We had this chat. It's like this: the annoyance of becoming a competent drummer is that when you then go into the studio, you have to work far harder than actually people who are bad at drums because the producer knows it's in you. So like the same thing on our record, there are two sections with a snare sample on it, yeah, and the rest of it is a hundred percent fucking natural. I know, you can tell. I mean, but it's like the it's because Will Putney knew that it was in me. So he ate your lunch. Yeah, he was like, I need that snare drum ten percent louder. Same. Every single thing, and I can hear on your record. We self-produced, so we didn't have a producer. So I have Tim yelling at me and JJ yelling at me, like. There's the third hit on the first verse is lighter than the... And then you have to just get back in there. But if you were just bad, that could just be sampled. Right. I, it's the same thing with, like, vocalists, right? Or, like, the way that people look. Like, you were talking about people being airbrushed. Like, we are trained... To, if you listen to the Beatles now, it's crazy yeah. how, like, not on key it is. Yeah. Like, the vocals. And they've got these gorgeous, lush harmonies. It's the four of them, right? Like, you, you listen to it, and it's amazing. But if you listen to it against, like the newest rock band with 18 f made from Melodyne harmonies, you're like, this doesn't sound as good as that. Yeah, well, I feel like that's, that's, that's when it's way out. I feel like people are getting, it's almost like, you know, there's a, there's a word for it, I can't remember what it's called, when, ah, fuck, if I knew the word, I'd be a good podcaster. When, some, when someone's face looks just wrong. So did you see The Irishman? Yes. You know how when they age enhanced it or whatever, there's a there's a word for the way a human being looks oh, okay. like it's not actually human. Okay. And I feel like people are getting to that stage with music where they're like, I don't like this and I don't know why, and it's because the humanity has just been completely sucked out of it. And I think we're coming back to 
stuff being a little bit off key and people are going to be interested by that because everything is going to sound fucking grey sludge like each other I came to this realisation in my bunk on mushrooms the other day <laughs> I was listening to like music and I could hear insincerity like it wasn't an instrument like it was an instrument wow and I was going through music that I liked a track of fake and I yeah like I yeah. could hear like if drums were sampled or whatever I could hear like I'm not hearing the moment that the music was made and it was crazy and it was like I didn't take enough to trip trip but I was oh and I was in a legal state or whatever I have to say uh, whatever I was I had my phone screen looked like 8k and I had this extra ability to hear insincerity and I broke the fucking rules of not listening to the bands you're on tour with when you're on tour to do voyeurist oh and I haven't told you this because I was saving this for I love the saving so I did voyeurist and I fucking was like it got to like hallelujah and I was like gonna cry there's mistakes and you, I'm sure you could hear them no I, I was fucking tripping bro no I, but like I, it, it was like an organic sound. Yeah, thank you. And it was That's the best compliment I've ever been given about it. I, there's electronic shit, though. This is a pro podcast movie. You ready for this? Yes. There's right. electronic shit, though, that's very real, too. Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Who's, who's one of our favorite, both of our favorites. Like, But there's, like, my personal favorite. You see how that move, I'd move yeah, that. This is, you have a <laughs> I'm so good at this. <laughs> this is perfect. But I... I I, I told you a few nights ago about how my favorite is with teeth, and I think my favorite is with teeth because there's a lot of really shiny shit on with teeth, you know, in production, you know, synths and computer moves, but the drums are totally real. Yeah. Dave Grohl played drums on a lot of that. Really? And yes. your freaks? Yes. Two of those? Yeah. What a fucking... I don't know what the who played on what songs. I looked it up once, but, like, you can hear, like, the real drums mixed with other stuff, so I think that may become, hopefully, may become the modern sweet spot. Yeah. Is like, and if you listen to like, Head Like a Hole, for instance, like from back. That's one of my favorite lines. It's so electronic, but there's some like. It feels like it was played. Like, yes. Samples, but played. All the fucking typo negative albums. Same thing. Yeah. Just, Fear Factory from like the 90s. Yeah. Like, just like. Super triggered, sampled, elasis, fucking whatever, but somebody actually fucking played it in. So it's not quantized perfectly. I was yeah. listening to, um, I woke up to pee the other night. I have this fucking thing. I don't know what's going on on tour. I'm 38, full disclosure, so as I get older. It's a prostate thing. <sighs> Dude, I wake up once a night at home to piss. Every night, without fail. It's a prostate. But if I've had a lot to drink, it's a nightmare. But that's normal. But, but on the bus, it sucks because you're moving. Oh, I hate it. And we have a crew of guys on our bus that drink till the wee hours every night. They are Tim, our guitar tech, JJ, our front of house guy who also engineered our record, and usually my drum tech, Daniel. They're up till 4 or 5 in the morning drinking every night. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. So every night when you go pee at 4.30 in the morning, they're out there just like... And you have to they look like raccoons with a flashlight on them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the lights are always off. So I woke up, this was two nights ago, and they've been watching, like, live streams from quarantine from other bands. So like, there was a Bonnie Iver one that was insane that I walked in on. He was, like, playing in a fucking alley oh, in New York. But I walked in on one literally between Atlanta and here. 
And we had been drinking that night, so I was up. You know, it's 4.30. And I hear this like, like this like R&B kind of thing, but it's weird sounding. And I open the door and they're watching a live stream and it's like six guys in a room around a table. And on the table, there's fucking beer and people are rolling joints and they're all playing music together. And it's this guy named Dijon, like, like the mustard. And I'm, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm kind of drunk still and I'm watching it and he has no microphone. And then he bends over and I see he has a lav mic on like we have now. This is what he was just talking about. Yeah. And so he, the band is playing in a room with no in-ears and there's samplers, like the drummer has in-ears and like towels on the drums. But I feel like it was so real and it was the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. It, and it made me feel like Nine Inch Nails made me feel when I was younger, where it was like digital, but like, dude, it was so, ex so exciting. Dirty, like. Yeah, and he was singing in the room like this. That was the vocal. And then I went and listened to the record, and it's the same way. Like, there's no close mic. So I think you're right. Maybe we're, there's like a cyclical thing where we're coming and back to, back to that, where you can make stuff. I'm going to try to find, I want to try to find the name of um, the record. Dijon, like the mustard. And that album is called Absolutely. And it came out last year. And the, Someone showed me that video before. I didn't realize it was The song I'm talking about is called Big Mike's. And I do. And ironically, it's little mics. No mics. But yeah, dude, I think everything's cyclical in music, right? And I, I've never said this either. This, I might get in trouble. I don't care. I'm, we're, we're good. But like, I feel like we're almost in the last 10 years. We've been back in the 80s. And we're like waiting on Nirvana. That's literally it. Do you know in the, in the, in the 80s, like, you had like Poison and Rat and all the bullshit hair. And everyone's singing as high as they possibly could. And then you had Guns N' Roses who kind of dipped their toes yeah. into like some real shit and then, the real shit and then Nirvana and Pearl Jam came along and took away the hair and the high singing and just made music and I feel like in the last 10 years even 15 years inside of the scene like I felt like after when our band walked away like every band I heard it was like so like the vocals were like Wah! it was like higher than anything uh, inhuman yeah. you know with like the made the made harmonies like inhuman and I feel like we're still kind of waiting on Nirvana in many ways, and I think that it's going to come in a different shape than we even think. Then it won't, then it won't be Nirvana. It might not be guitars. I mean, it might be Billie Eilish. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it might be Big Sean or Kendrick Lamar or who the who the yeah. fuck ever. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's one thing with like Kendrick that I just fucking love is that's taking what we're talking about almost like the obviously it doesn't sound anything like our engineers, but like the digital with the live shit into that world is fucking awesome. Even like with Dre albums is real shit, but it doesn't feel as good yeah. as Kendrick in terms yeah. of like instruments. Shit. My favorite thing to talk about is like, what's gonna happen like with music and what's gonna happen with like art and like how it's gonna translate to people's lives. And it's all speculation. I want, yeah. I can't see, so here's like an example. I can't see Architects coming out with a raw sounding record they would get murdered because no one would like it. You think so? Because their fans want the digital fucking snare drum super sampled. Here's a bigger one. What if Bring Me did? I feel like... I feel like... I feel like Bring Me could get away with anything right now. think so? They could get away with murder. They, because they've already done. They've already went from 
being from a metalcore one band one genre or, to something else yeah. so they could actually just do it again but I feel like Architects fans Architects is one of my favourite bands their fans are the fucking worst they are dude, no offence because you're all listening uh, they are just so like I mean when Sam cut his hair and there oh, was it's like that. uprising then there was like an album that didn't sound as quite as sampled and everyone fucking shit the bed about it wow so I feel like they can't they've sort of made their their grave of they're the realest motherfuckers though dude my, my architect story which I have never told um, in 2010 I had like a like a essentially a mental breakdown um, to just bring it in real serious on the downbeat but I had I had essentially a mental breakdown and was like drinking with pills and it was bad like sleeping 18 hours a day and then waking up for the gig um, and I quit under oath in Europe in Prague and architects were direct support and Sam Basically, I don't know why this happened, but Sam essentially rode on her bus for a month. The rest of the band, I don't know where they were. Like, the best guys, Tom Searle back then, rest in peace, like, coolest motherfuckers, yeah. dude. Like, but Sam, for some reason, would roll cigarettes at night and we'd stay up to four in the morning and I would just be out of, off my head. Like, I, would, I, had, I got a Xanax prescription and I was just drinking on it, which you shouldn't. That have been there as well. <laughs> because I was so miserable in life and my first marriage was failing and <clears throat> I was just trying to erase shit and Sam it was crazy I quit the band and like every, it was public like on the tour it was so strange usually something like that you know on a tour this size yeah. both of our bands were quite small 12 years ago whatever it was 2010 so 12 years ago now yeah. like now you'd shut the door and like it'd be a big thing but it was like public and I'll never forget Sam just being like it's gonna be okay dude like, they were the realest people. And at the time, like Tom Searle and the other guitar player, I can't remember his name, different guy than is in the band now. You remember that guy? Tim. Tim. Yeah. They were super into, like, that band Isis, a Panopticon record. They were super into Botch, who is a band that we love. And they were into all the realest shit. And they can really play. So I find it interesting with how real they are humanly that they have to, like, hold up this... Plastic is the wrong word, but, like, this... They have to make a certain type of music, like you just said, for their fans to be like, this is fucking dope, because they're the realest dude. I, like, I cried in Sam's arms. Like, I've done that many times. Sam is my motherfucker. Like, he's we the just, realest dude. We just talk to each other. We can, we can, we're best friends. We cannot talk to each other for two weeks, and then one of us is going through some shit, and then it's just like, hey. Pick it up. Yeah, it's fucking I mean, and they were there. Like, they, I played my final five shows with Under Oath with those dudes there until... 2016 like yeah almost seven years like they were just there like and it wasn't weird they were just like yeah this sucks dude like so I find that interesting you could people socially are like so real and then they have to do a certain thing to keep their business up yeah I don't I, I, getting serious on the downbeat today everyone I mean, super serious I, I don't think musically architects do anything to please anyone but I think just the production. That's what I mean. I don't mean like they're writing songs for their fans. I more mean like... Yeah, they, I don't think they could sway from the production. Although, hang on. I don't think the world's ready for it because here you go. This is what I'm going to throw at you. Death Times gore. People hated it. There were some bangers on it, but yeah. it was too raw. It was too... It was too <laughs> so raw. We're the, we're the ones in here like 
preaching raw, and I don't like it either. <laughs> like, I like like three songs on it, yeah. and then even like fucking Gojira. The last two Gojira records are more raw, but I fucking like the other ones. Okay, I take back everything I said. Yeah, I, we're both full of shit. It's funny though, dude, because like you can say one thing, and then and I think we're both duped by the '80s. Like we both want to hear that, even though like stylistically and in ethos we want to make the real shit yeah but I also want the real shit to be that fucking flam at the start of misery business <laughs> I want every drum to sound like that and that's David Bendeth and that shit is very doctored that is he, a fucking big sample he mixed Lost in the Sound of Separation which is arguably my favorite Under Earth record and there's a lot of stuff on that that is sampled you know what I mean? Sounds sick. So I take everything. <laughs> no, maybe it's it maybe maybe the mushroom thing was real though, because maybe it's just maybe it's just the player, and it doesn't matter what what they, as long as you can play it. I don't know. I think you're right. I have a friend who is like a he uh, he passed away last year. He is um he's like a big guitar tech, and he worked with like Allison Krauss and Mike Campbell, who plays guitar for the Heartbreakers and he said that he was in a studio and John Mayer's rig was there and he picked it up and he's like no one is like fully like he was like fully like fucking up like it was shit they were done for the night and he like snuck in there and grabbed John Mayer's like 50s Telecaster through these amps called Dumbles that are so rare they're over $100,000 a piece and there was three of them it was all hooked together and he said he strummed it and it sounded like shit he was like it was fucking nasty sounding and he said Later that night, they all got there for the session and it was the best guitar he'd ever heard. So I think it's about the hands. I really do. Especially with drums and like tactile instruments, guitars. And even like you said, people making shit with samples. Like, it's about the person. You know what I mean? The person is a fucking great quote and Which, I don't want to butcher it, so I'm going to get the quote right now. It's a, it's the, but it, that's, a, that's what it is with art, right? It's about the person. Like I sat, here's a good example. You were gone somewhere and the pigeon had set up your drums. And okay, the and I wanted to hit. I've never played an aluminum drum kit. They're aluminum, right? The Thomas you have out. Or uh, they steel. They are steel. So, and when you play them at night, they sound so fucking good. And I sat down and played them. I was like, they don't sound like good. I felt like that on your kit today. Yeah. How weird is that? Isn't that strange? It's like the connection to. The it's the person. Here's the quote, Miles Davis. Anybody can play. The note is only 20%. The attitude of the motherfucker who plays it is 80%. And I think that's what's missing in music today. I really believe that. Mother, more motherfucker. More motherfucker. No, but, but like everything is so digitized. Like when you had your, your, your fucking shroom trip in the bunk the other night in a legal state. He got the legal state. And guess what? My bunk was huge. It was crazy. <laughs> I was in there and I was like... This thing is big. I can fit a family of four in this. Yeah, but like we've digitized people out. You know when you're playing a show or you're like in a studio session and you know it's really you and you're like in a box of the song. Yeah. Like you're in it. Yeah. It's like your bunk. You're in the bunk of the song and it's 360. You want to do mushrooms now. <laughs> I've never done mushrooms. I have crippling anxiety. Why? And you do it? You take a tiny little amount. And then what happened, this is what happened to me on this tour, and I did want to talk about this on the podcast, but I didn't think it would be on this episode. I have diagnosed anxiety and diagnosed depression. Do you take pills for so, it? Yeah, but like, as and when. You don't take a daily, like a daily I, antidepressant? I did for the longest time, okay. and then I just stopped. come back on and back off. Got it, got it, got it. On okay. Meltdowns. But, 
when I did shrooms the other day, the same time I had, I think my anxiety comes from a really bad fucking trip I had when I was a kid. Like, Trauma thing. Like a, like a fucking, had a horrible fucking trip. And I feel like my anxiety came from there. So when I was doing the mushrooms the other day, I caught myself getting into an anxious loop. And at the time, I caught myself doing it. And in my head, I could visualize what just triggered it and why it wasn't actually a problem. And it's just my cyclical thinking that made me do it. And then it's like I could vi I visualized. It helped you. I, I visualized the like connector in my brain and then just moved it. And I haven't been anxious since then. Like, I'm a, I've got Valium prescription, I haven't taken it. Wow. Since this one fucking mushroom trip. And I, like, in, in my head, I'm like, mate, it, like, if they made the problem, then a smaller dose might fix the problem. But it was crazy. Like, just the way it makes you think, it's, like, fucking terrible. I don't know about in the UK, but there's a company here in the States called Silo. They're the ones I have. Yeah. Not so. here. Not, not here in this illegal state. But in a legal state, they're the ones. So there's companies that are doing it now where you can, it's posted. It's so I take fully, I take an antidepressant every day. And I have for, <clears throat> I'm 38, almost 20 years. And I would love to get off of it. And I tried to wean my way off of it in 2018 in Australia. Like I, That's a bad one. Oh, I know. But I, <clears throat> I called the doctor and was like, I called my doctor and I was like, how do I do this? And he gave me the schedule. Like you cut one in half. You yeah. Do, and I'll never forget it. By the time I got to the end, it was like a two-week thing. We were in Australia for three weeks. I would look in the mirror, and I couldn't believe... I don't know if you understand this, but I couldn't believe that I was myself. Like, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I looked like another person to myself. Yeah. I was so fucked up mentally. So if you can do something natural, and it uncovers that trauma, or helps you with that cognitive thinking of like, I see why I'm anxious, yeah. and I see the path on how to erase it. Here in the States, they're doing DMT treatment now, um, ketamine. I mean, that's why they need to like decriminalize it so they can actually research it. Because it might be that this is not helping anyone, and that the antidepressants would help people more. Like, but they need to test it. Because otherwise, like, even me saying this on this podcast, I would go down and say the reason I'm so fucking anxious and depressed is previously from doing too many drugs. So, drugs probably aren't the answer, but they might be. And I wouldn't fucking. They just need more research. Drugs done the right way, though, is. Is, awesome. is, <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah, it's totally different. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you when you drink on Xanax, that was my drug of choice, Xanax. I loved it. Drink, I can't, I literally, I had it for anxiety, and just the blackout is dangerous. It's so scary, but it's bliss when you're miserable, which is such a heavy thing. It's such a heavy yeah. thing to talk about, but if you can make someone, because and why is it bliss when you black out? Because you forget you why you hurt. You know what I mean? And you go away, which is so dangerous. But like, if there was a way to synthesize a tenth of that feeling to where you could go into life and be like, I don't care about like what's happened to me. I was going through, uh, about to go through a divorce at the time, which is why I was so miserable. <laughs> hey, let's go. But like, I think that that, if, they, if you could have a tenth of like us drinking on three bars of Xanax, like just a bit to make you go, life is hard. But today, right now. I feel like I would like you with the anxiety about the mushrooms, and I just did the smallest amount, and it was sick. Full disclosure, on this tour, someone brought mushrooms around. I don't know who had it. And they were like, do you want like a little cap? And for a second, because I had been reading about this therapeutic psilocybin therapy, I was like, but I was pretty drunk, so I was like scared to like 
blend the oh, two. Oh, I was drunk as fuck. Really? <laughs> see, I've read that if you mix the two, you like see like a dragon coming out of Jesus's oh, butt, man. or like it was wonderful. Something, something crazy. I don't, dude. I don't know, man. I think that like I grew up really, really. I don't know if you know this about me, but I grew up really, really, really religious. I have heard. Like, hyper-religious, and I'm not religious. You personally or family? Me personally as well, okay. until I was like... Let's do this. this. is a fucking heavy episode. Let's do this. I'm really sorry. I know uh, it's supposed is, to be no, funny. This, no, this is, it is funny. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. But until, until I, I, like, made Christian music and stuff, until I was, like, 28, 29 years old. Um, and then when my divorce happened, all those people kind of walked away from me because it's not sexy in the Christian world. It's about, like how hot your wife is and how good everything is. And I was in like the commercial Christian world, like yeah. big playing yeah, at Hill song and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's been almost 10 years now, but I realized in it all that it was man-made, a lot of it. And I have spiritual beliefs, but I don't consider myself religious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I have a lot of trauma from that. I think that's where a lot of my stuff is seated. Cause I grew up like, and I have a wonderful, my mom was here tonight. Um, she's incredible. But I grew up really, 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 really sheltered. So I have this in the very back of my mind. Like, I think everything should be permissible. Like, I think with drugs, if it helps you, yeah. and it's, and I'm not saying go do heroin, but I'm saying if it's, if it's dosed and it's right, and a doctor did it, like the silo stuff or all this stuff that's out right now, you should try it. But I have this bend way in the back of my mind where it's like, I don't know if I can, is that okay? Like, I, I never got drunk in high school or anything. You know what I mean? I didn't get drunk until yeah. I was of age, and then I felt bad about it for years. Yeah, that's because I have this a, a Christian. It's sewn into me, yeah. and I and I'm almost forty, over a decade removed, but I still have like these bends that like don't let me do stuff sometimes. You are. Listen, I don't want to be a mushroom DMT podcast guy, but I kind of am now. Okay. So, Downbeat is rebranded. The rebranded the the Downbeat experience. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you just need a little bit, a little, little couple. Yeah, just a couple of those gummies. Couple of those. They may or may not have. <laughs> in, in my, over there in my podcasting, in that, podcasting kit. That pelican goes next to my antidepressants as well, if anything goes wrong. <laughs> no, dude, I just think that, like, I don't know, I think people like you and me, like, you think too much, you go through stuff, and you internalize it. People, I heard someone say once, like, if you get like in a squat position, which you love to squat, bro. <laughs> if you get in a squat position, there's two types of people. If I push you over, you're either just gonna fall with it and be like, whatever, that guy pushed me over, I got weight in my hand, which is what you should do. That's how you get, uh, that's how you don't injure yourself. You should yeah. just roll with the punches. And then there's people like you and I, we get in the squat position, someone pushes us, I'm gonna try to get my yeah. back foot to protect myself from yeah. falling. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, and then eat their ass. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're those type of people, and I think that that kind of stuff is, like, can't, could be beneficial. So I'm on that journey now trying to figure out, like, can you do it? You want to speak, let's not make it an ad, but they did send me shitloads of stuff for free. Speak to the silo people. Just send them a deal. So they're in the UK as well? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> are, we, are you going to get arrested on the plane? I don't think so. <laughs> they're going to search... Craig oh, Reynolds' no, asshole. I have, to, I have to get rid of everything tonight. <laughs> you should, let's just eat it all before the show and see what turns up. Oh, yeah, let's go. Sold we're out gig. Legal, we're, let's in a, we're in a legal state, whatever, but fuck off. Okay. Wow, dude. Uh, yeah. I didn't, they hook you. You get, more, you get more swag than anyone I know. It's because you're so fucking good looking. I, shut up. I, like, 
I don't know. I had something to say on the um, what you're saying about having the worry in the back of your mind, the way the sort of people that we are. And you're right, people who are on antidepressants. Do you think you would be as successful if you didn't think like that? Whoa. So, me and Tim had this drunken conversation the other night. He's like, and he, we've all known each other for 20 years in our band, so the way that we talk to each other is sometimes really backdoor. Like, you think you're fucking Sylvia Plath because you're a mental case, right? And that's why you're so artistic. What he really means to ask me is what you asked me. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know any well-adjusted musicians who are successful. Yeah, so making good music. That's the thing is I think that, I mean, I'm a writer too. I'm not just a drummer, right? Like I write songs for other people as a day job and I have never written a happy song and I struggle with it. Like I go to Nashville three or four months a year and a lot of the music I write is modern country music and it's like beer and trucks and hot chicks and I really struggle with that stuff sometimes because I don't really write when I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't. I get most of my best work done when I'm in the throes of food. Like when you go on stage at night, there's a, there's a, there's a tinge of like anger, right? Mm. Or a tinge of angst. Like I don't typically, maybe at the end of a set I'm smiling and we're drinking beer on stage and it's fun. But like for the first five songs, I am here to tear your yeah, soul you apart. First track, you go fucking. You know what I mean? Off the back. Yeah, and it's because. If beca- I do that, I fuck up. But it's on. because I'm a little bit worried though. I'm a little worried, like, can I pull it off? Like, is my heart going to explode? I have those thoughts every night. I think about, like, because I, I honestly think I would never, everyone's like, oh, would you ever change anything about anything? Like, even divorce, even any of this, right. I wouldn't change anything at all. Right. Or if you could change anything about yourself, like, would you get rid of any of your, like, fucking mental illness or something? And it's like, I don't think I would, because it wouldn't it be as good. leads me to make the decisions that make me who I am and where I am. I, dude, I just look at like people who flex or whatever, you know, like, and I don't know that it's all like this, but I look at people in bands or pop artists, and I'm like, that's, that's an act, but that's all a cover up for something else, you know what I mean? The very few let you in, like Halsey lets you in, and you see like, she tells stories about her life, or like growing up at sixteen and men yeah, being like dirty to her, and, and like, she works with fucking nine dude, that record is incredible. Oh my god, I wish that. Never mind. Like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall and just watch, like, how Trent and Atticus dealt with a pop star. He's, Trent is, uh, Trent's number one on my, like, uh, he's number two on my, I want you on the downbeat. I bet he's an asshole. Uh, do you think? I don't know. I don't know anything. So I, I'm friends with Alon Rubin. I mean, I thought you would be an asshole when you're not. Yeah. I'm friends with Alon Rubin. He played on the Paramore record that I toured the whole cycle and then did the live. I did the live at Red Rocks version. Um... That's you. That's me, yeah. Cool. Crazy. Oh, shit, you had a t- story that you were going to tell me about. Here we go. Nails, and that's what I want. I'm terrified of meeting him because Elon told me, I was like, is he cool? Like, and he was like, yeah, he's cool. He's just kind of serious. And I'm like, that's what scares me. It's because I'm so not serious. We, we did a lot of serious talking, but through the lens of yeah. we're friends and we're in, a sh- we're in a room next to a shower at a sold-out show. We're safe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like we're not on someone else's turf. So my Nine Inch Nails story and why I'm scared to meet him, even if he isn't an asshole. So there's a festival in New Orleans. It's my favorite festival. It's called Voodoo Fest. And it's just like by a fucking cemetery in this field and there's a Ferris wheel and there's 75,000 people. And Paramore, um, 
was direct support to Nine Inch Nails. When you were playing for Power Mall and this was Correct. after you quit Under Oath? After I quit Under Oath, and Ilan Rubin had recorded the self-titled Paramore record that I ended up doing four years of touring on, and I played on the live version. And I have the platinum record for it. Yeah! <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was, an, it was some of the best times of my life, and I'm glad I did it. As a drummer, it grew me up. Yeah. Because like, I was always just, I've never played in any band but my own, ever. Never for anyone else. I've never played drums for any other band but Under Oath. Right. My whole life. Which is why, again, last night I was thinking about it. I was like, this motherfucker is a motherfucker from one band. Right. But it was awesome for me, and thank you, but it was awesome for me to go and have to be really professional. First off, the way it started, I'll tell the way it started, then I'll tell the story. So the way it started is I was mowing my grass, and my ex-wife brings me the phone, and she goes, you're going to do this. And it was my manager, and he said, Paramore's drummer got injured. They had been through seven drummers between the original drummer, who's back now, and myself, in the yeah. course of three years. That's crazy. Josh Freese was one of them. Fuck yeah. So, like, heavy drummers. And our drummer got hurt. We're going to the UK to start our headliner for our first headliner for our record in five days. Can you do it? And I said no, like, to Taylor, the music director. I was like, I don't know if I can pull it off, but I'll fly to Nashville and try. So that afternoon, they're like, we're going to meet you at your rehearsal space and pick up your drums. I'm like, what? A semi-truck meets me at my little like rehearsal space and picks up the cases and drums. And you see the cases still say Paramore on them. They pick up everything. Really? They can pick up everything. And I fly in, and I'm thinking we're going to go to like one of the rehearsal spaces in Nashville. I fly in, and they're rehearsing at the arena for this tour. Nice. And we had four days, 21 songs. I slept on the floor. Did you know any of them? I knew Riot stuff, yeah. Misery Business. That's where that would have been made. But this is Alon stuff. Alon is open-handed, starts fills with his left hand. So I stayed awake for five days. So I smoked a pack of cigarettes a day at the time. And my bar friend studio had slept on the ground. It was disgusting. And at the end, um, I pulled it off. And they flew me to England. And we went to Ireland. And the first show, there was 20,000 people there at the O2. The curtain dropped, and I just was there naked. So a couple months later, we're playing Voodoo Fest, which is my favorite festival. So I'm kind of getting comfortable, but I'm just now getting to where, like, I know these songs. Yeah. Right? And they tell me Elon's going to be here today with Nine Inch Nails. I'm like, that was more nervous about that because, like, this motherfucker played the record, and I think he might be one of the best. He's fucking amazing. He's insane. And real shit. Plays the oh, real yeah. shit. All the realest shit. He's also under, at the time... He's, I, he still might be under 30. He's way younger than me. He's seven years younger than me, and he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But Now I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's also a sweet guy. So I'm nervous about him being there, and I know Nine Inch Nails is playing, and that night we go on. It's like 9.15. It's a late festival, and I look behind me, and Elon is standing there, and next to Elon is Trent fucking Reznor. Just sat watching. Just like, watching. arms crossed. Like a goth dad. And it, and it, you know that feeling when you're like on a roller coaster or somebody tells you your girl cheated on you or like something huge. Like, yeah. I'm not joking. The same feeling I had when you I found out. Piss the bed and in a dream. The same feeling I had when my, they told me my daughter had to be taken out by C-section I got in that moment. Like everything in my head and chest went to my asshole. Yeah. Like, and I was like, what do I do? And they stood there for like seven songs. Just bobbing their head. Trent Reznor, Bobby Sparrow. Yep. That's fucking cool. And then afterwards, Alon was like, ah, he did all right. No way. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, you did pretty good, man. You did pretty good. Fuck yeah. you. I would have punched him. <laughs> no, I mean, he was so sweet. He didn't even mean it. Like, 
He just was like, was like, he meant it. No, I mean, but I, 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 I kind of prefaced it with like, I think I might have dropped this fill. Oh, right. You know, he was, and he's like, you did pretty good, man. Like, pretty good. Song. Don't beat yourself up. But I, that's what I was just like, fuck. Like, pretty good as a stick. And all, and then, but there was another show that he saw where, thank God, Trent wasn't there. He's like, you crushed it. Like a couple months later. So like, that was my nine inch nails story. And that's why I don't want to meet Trent because I'm so scared he'll be like. You're that dude that fucked up a lot. And if Trent Reznor, no offense to you or Paramore, Trent Reznor remembers the festival. Yeah, I don't know, dude. That's sick as fuck. Bro. Yeah, it's wild. Um, on the 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 live video that we were already talking about with all the lights, we would have probably been that tall. There's that clip from it where he's like, "You're ready to have a good time," and everyone's like, "Yeah," and he says. That was the other guys. We're here to have a bad time. And then he starts fucking copy of a copy. And it's so sick. I watched them from front of house that night and they opened with copy of a copy. And it was, uh, dude, copy of a copy is so sick with real drums. Cause on the record, there's no real drums. Yeah. With those lights as well. <sighs> with your lot, dude. I love that record though. We've had this chat. You don't know yeah. without. I, I like hesitation marks, but I, I think that yeah, again, like what we talked about an hour ago, I think that there's a feeling of like, it's fake shit, but somebody like yeah. finger drummed it. You I, know I mean? think, I, I'll die on this hill. I think the song with teeth is sexier than closer. You know, because everyone. I agree. Because it's, it's like a dirty. Closer is like quite a, a clean goth sex. It's yeah. like, a, well, the fuck you, like, hey, I'm okay, whatever. But with teeth, it's like, wait, uh, like you might have done it in a no, in a bathroom in oh, a venue. Yeah, it's fucking dude. Horrendous. You posted a picture the other day of me in the crowd, like only the only mosher that turned up or something, and you were playing the with teeth beat that day. Oh yeah, that was that day. And I can't figure out in my brain how to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> my body won't do it. I tried to do it in sound check the other day because it's kind of it's janky. Like yeah, it's like and I was just that guy. I don't know if this is true. The guy that played on that record is dead. I think, like on, on some of those songs, not not. Obviously not Dave Grohl and Josh Reese, but there's a guy that played live during all of With Teeth. There used to be a band called The Icarus Line. The guitar player during With Teeth was that guy, because Robin was gone. And there's a drummer, I don't know where he was from, I think his name was Aaron North. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's dead. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I'm gonna look. But yeah, I, that record, yeah, dude, so Speaking scary. of death, you played a Foo Fighters cover yesterday, didn't you? We did. How much of a bum out is that? <sighs> okay. Are you gonna say no? <laughs> no, no, no. I. Is gonna bum you out? No, no, no. Growing up, I was. No, growing up, I was never into the drummers. Drummers. In the '90s, getting modern drummer and stuff. I was like, we talked about this a little bit in the beginning with you telling me that I was famous back in the day or whatever. Like, I don't. You're still famous, bro. That's. I, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to articulate this. Like, I was never into, like, Carter Beaufort and Dave Weckl and Marco Miniman. And those guys are talented, have more talent in one hand than I'll ever have in my whole life. I'll never be that good as a drummer, ever, 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 never, ever. But those guys didn't speak to me. Like, being a kid and seeing the Foo Fighters on 120 Minutes at night on MTV and seeing Nirvana, that spoke to me because it was violent. And Nirvana was the first band that I saw. Like, my dad was into, like, the Eagles and Zeppelin. And John Bonham is arguably the best drummer of all time, but you look at those guys like they're gods. When my dad would show me videos of the Stones playing, it's like, or the Who, mm -hmm. like, those are gods. You can never do that. And then I saw Nirvana when I was 10 years old on television. 
and it was horrible, like a mess. It sounded like shit. It was on an award show, but everyone was enamored by it. And so those drummers were the drummers that spoke to me. And Taylor, I loved because he came from he came from playing on Jack, Jagged Little yeah. Pill for Alanis, and then he like slid into the skin, into this Dave's skin yeah. that was like violent and like not paradiddles. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. fucked. So he was the. I think I really believe on the upper echelon, he's like the last guy. He was the last guy. It was devastating. Fucking crazy. I've never been like a huge, I have like a running joke of like hating the Foo Fighters, but I don't actually hate the Foo Fighters. They're fucking the first probably four Foo Fighters records I fucking love. They're perfect, yeah. But I was a drum teacher for 10 years, and the, the like, the minute the kids' parents see that I have tattoos, they would always go, Oh, you know, we're, we're into the heavy stuff too, like the foods. And it would just be like, it became a joke where I just like tell people that I hate food fries, but obviously I don't. What I had on my fucking Instagram, because I make jokes about fucking everything, I had a number of kids after I posted an RIP thing. Yeah. Who messaged me saying, oh, so not the most overrated band anymore. Or stuff like that. Like, like, Oh, because I don't like the music of a band anymore, I want the drummer to be dead. Like, are you fucking hearing yourself? I deleted it because of it. Uh, I was just like... I saw you deleted it. I was wondering if it was because people were... I I mean, he was arguably, like, in my opinion, the only... Dave Grohl is my favorite drummer. Fact. He's the only... He's incredible. He was the only drummer that could play for Dave Grohl. Like, do you think that they'll keep going? I, my, my first instinct was, well, just get Dave Grohl, but he's doing other stuff in the same band. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, how does it work? Like, I. Well, I'm Ruben. Yeah. But fucking, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, it's wild because, dude, bring it down one more notch on the downbeat. Jesus Christ. Think about, <laughs> think about fucking Dave losing Kurt and now this. It's fucking horrible. If I were him, I would just go home and stay for a while. No, it's in him. Yeah. He's like, he's one of us. He's, oh, dude. I'll tell my Dave Grohl story, then we can finish. Yeah, Dave Grohl story. It's yeah. fantastic. I need your top five bands of all time. Right? I'll do that. I'll do that for that. My Dave Grohl story is tragic. 2009, I've never met Dave Grohl, by the way. In 2009, I was flying back from New Zealand with Under Oath. My ex-wife was with me. And we were like, yeah. we were four rows behind Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl and sitting next to him was John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. No fucking they were down there doing the Brooklyn Vultures with Josh Holm. Oh, shit. Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, and Foo Fighters. Like, that's my shit. She's like, just say something. They were like drinking wine. It's 14 hours. And I didn't say a word. And I was like, fuck, dude, I messed up. And you get to LAX, and at LAX, everyone has to collect their baggage before you can clear customs. They're like from me to the wall. And, she, and my ex-wife's like, you should say something. Fuck, I can't. You're like me. I can't. You can't do it. It gets so much worse. Oh, no. We leave. I'm kicking myself for a few days. Two weeks later, we have a fly out, and Spencer was in... Spencer, the singer from Earth, was in L.A. doing some press or whatever, and Dave Grohl was in the airport, and they both had a layover or whatever, and Spencer went up to Dave and was like, I, don't, I know this sucks, but, like, I just want to tell you how much you've helped me through so much shit and inspired me, and he goes... Come on, man. Let me buy you a coffee. It's, these are the sort of things that I've heard. And he sat with Dave Grohl for an hour, and Dave Grohl had heard of Under Oath and the whole fucking thing. 
and they switched. You could have been getting drunk on a plane. And they switched to beer, and the whole fucking thing. That's such a cool And story. Dave paid the bill. The Dave paid the fucking bill, and it was a thing. And I was, I'm still pissed. It was yeah, 15 you, years ago. You just fucking dropped your 2009, dude. That's the kind of shit that I do because I'm too pussy to be like, hey, man. Yeah. And even if he was an asshole, though, I'm at least I, at least I could say it. Yeah, I have never had. No, I've never been in the presence of someone that I truly would like to speak to. Trent Reznor probably would. You think you would do it? Fuck yeah. Because I want to know. I, does it? I know he probably cares so little about me. Does so. it matter? Is does it? What happens if he's a dick? Trent Reznor, who gives a fuck? Oh, I'm gonna tell Chris a story. Our keyboard player, Chris, is like favorite band is Pantera. Ooh. And you like Pantera? I mean, love them. <laughs> and now I'm like, Ugh, it's cra- yeah. yeah. This is this. So this is also like 15 years ago. We were in Australia, and one of Phil Ensemble's, the singers, bands. I don't know if it was Down or. I don't know what it was. He had two bands, didn't he? Yeah. After Pantera, I can't remember. Super Joint Ritual and Down. I think it might have been Super Joint, but yeah. my old drum tech and Chris, who are where massive fans, are in the lobby of the ho- hotel, and they say Phil walk in, <laughs> and Chris, who's like the most jolly, he's, uh, he's like the best human. He's like Phil, like, can I get a picture? <laughs> and Phil goes, and this is how I would want to meet Phil Ensemble. Goes, puts his hand up, save it for the show, brother, <laughs> which I think is. That's a bad. That's a bad meeting of a hero, but it's also fucking awesome. Yeah. Like if that's how you met Phil Ensemble, save it for the show, brother. That's fucking. <laughs> it's funny. so sick, dude. Uh, so sick. Guy sucks though. He does. Yeah, he does. Um, suck. What is? Oh, I've got one plane story. I wasn't even fucking there for it, but your plane story just reminded me. Go. Have you ever heard Sam Architects' plane story? No. Soundwave Festival. You know, like you fucking fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. The flights because everyone's just flying. It's like it's like the it's like download. I mean, it's like um. It's like Soundwave used to be. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, it's Soundwave. So, um, architects are on a plane and corn are further up the plane, (laughs) and uh, over the fucking intercom thing, obviously, they're like, you know, cabin crew check seats ready for boarding or whatever ready for takeoff and Sam Carter goes are you ready <laughs> really <laughs> at, uh, at corn and the rest of the plane like explodes laughing for fucking corn <laughs> oh I, we did a nine week tour with corn I never met Jonathan Davis not once or field he's too busy getting fucking oxygen never met the two of them never met him the drummer so sweet head and monkey the best the bass player and the singer never fucking. Someone looks a bit like Trent Reznor. He does. By that I mean he looks like someone's got that. That'll do it. Over four five bands because I'm not going to take your. I've got sound check and I don't. I'm going to go have beer. Nice. Top yeah. five bands of all time or artists. Oh, mine's fucked, dude. It's really bad. Like we need to do a part two because there's so much we haven't talked about. This is so fun, by the way. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man. This is so killer. We should have done it we, earlier on. We look, we, done three we look so forward to doing this, and I'm glad we did it today because yeah. it's been perfect Fuck with you hungover and the whole thing. The last day of the tour, wrapping it up. Thank you for coming on the tour again. It was so. It's my favorite tour we've ever done. I'm, really, uh, I'm honestly exactly the same. Yeah. I'm going to be sad afterwards. Same. Um, in no particular order, top five would be Nine Inch Nails, Metallica. Yeah, with the same fucking human. Yeah. Yep. Um, Favorite Metallica album. Rank me five in a row, Metallica. 
I don't know if I can do that. Do they have to, do they have to be in order? Yes. That's the problem. The Black Album. I knew that was going to be your number one. And Justice for All. You're going to hate the next two. You're not going to believe what I'm about to say. Uh, by the look of your NASCAR t-shirt. Load and reload? Yeah. Both of them. <laughs> in your top five. Yes. See, I... I made you want to hear what my number five is? You're going to be so mad. S&M. Oh, no. S&M is &M, fucking amazing. That's my top five. We did S&M the other day. Me and Drew was driving our bandwagon to Canada. And uh, I realized that Load and Reload are fucking great. And if you took any of the songs from Load and Reload and you put them on uh, the Black Album, they would have... Do you want to know why I like Load? It's so stupid. When I was a kid and they put out the video for... Um, what was the first single on Load? Oh, the spooky video. The video that's got... No, um, the one where on the cliff, where they're on the cliff. And Kirk has... I can't remember what fucking the name of the song is. I know the song. I'm not going to sing it on your podcast. But... Um, <laughs> Kirk... Uh, Kirk is on the edge of this cliff and he has a brown jacket on. It's the first time I ever saw Metallica without anything that wasn't like dark and black. Yeah. And he's playing a blue Strat. Like a relic blue Strat, not an ESP. Yeah. With like a ice pick headstock. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's a heavy band. Playing a Strat? Yeah. So, uh, Nine Stills, Metallica. And Metallica is also a family thing. Like, I don't listen to Metallica very often anymore. Um, it just comes from when I was a kid on the weekends, my uncle, my ex-uncle, my, my cousin's dad that got divorced from my aunt's dad would pick us all up. I didn't, my dad wasn't around. He'd pick us all up and take us to like go-karts and shit and he always played Load and Reload. That's how I got into Metallica. Anyway, um, number three would be The Stones. Um, this is not in order. So rocking. It's pretty rock, yeah. I like it. Um, because The Stones is a blues band that's like really unhinged and they learned how to play growing up together, which I feel has a lot of parallels to our band. Obviously, we're a, 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 an eighth iota of the size of the Stones. So I'm not saying, I'm not comparing under oath to the Stones, but... Um, and then Johnny Cash. Do you want to know one, one little bit of information about the Stones? Go. They are the, the human beings on the planet that have been seen in the flesh by the most other human beings on Earth. Whoa. That's true. Because of the amount of shows and how big their shows are. And they're they still have been going. They've seen in the flesh by more people than anyone else. I do think Earth. it's fucking weird that Charlie dies and they just keep trucking. Like the yeah, next they're, they're week. Like, they're, they're, it'd be like the Marvel Universe. Like the Marvel next time, week. They just fucking come back. <laughs> like the next week. They go on this stadium tour. So that's, is that three? I think it's four. I said Johnny Cash. So Johnny Cash to me is the embodiment of feeling and of violence to me. I grew up on mostly country music. My mom toured in a southern gospel band, like Christian country music, my whole life. Um, so Johnny Cash to me is like the embodiment of like the feeling that I want to feel when I listen and play music where it's like barely on the rails. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can hear a world of the paint. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then number five for me, um, and I say this with trepidation, um, but this is the artist out of the list that I listen to the most still is Third Eye Blind. American people love it so I much. I know. You know how many times this has come up on the podcast? I know. And I've got nothing for you. And I know that people hate Stephen Jenkins. I don't even know who he is. He's they the singer of Third Eye Blind. And I've never met the guy, know nothing about him. There's all these rumors that he's a dick and that he can't sing and I don't care. Like, it, it's one of the only bands where I truly think the ocean between 
the UK. And like Third Eye Blind doesn't travel the pond. Doesn't travel. I, there's something about that first Third Eye Blind record where uh, much again, much like you know the '80s and the whole thing, they came along and did this thing that was vital and real. And it hit me at just the right time. There's a song called Graduate and a song called Jumper. I was in high school. Um, people, I, had, I knew, I was acquaintances with a few people that had, had committed suicide. And then I was graduating high school and it was just those two things. Those two songs, a song called Jumper and a song called Graduate. And I listened to every record after religiously and I still do. Out of that so whole- So does everyone in my band. Out of that whole list, that's the band I listened to the most. I, before the world shut down, the last concert I saw, my wife and I went to, right before she got pregnant, we went to Third Eye Blind and Jimmy World co-headliner, and we drank bottles of wine. It was the best show I've ever been to. And I can't fucking relate because I don't give a shit. I, and you would, I'm glad you are. And you wouldn't give a shit. You wouldn't, and you shouldn't. I, I, like knowing you, it just seems—it sounds so American to me, and like it just seems like I just can't. Possibly. There's UK bands like that. Yeah, right. But what's the UK band that has the strangest name? I love the band so much. The Sleeve of Mods. Mm, Catfish in the Bottom. And Cat band's fucking sick. Amazing. No one cares but me. In no one cares over here, but they're pretty big. Back they're home. huge back home, but back home. But like that latest record with that song There's Seven on it here. is incredible. Because there's fucking sadness in there. So is there in third? I work. You don't like third eye blind. Fuck you. I don't care. Love you. Sorry. Uh, I need to sound check. You're the best. You're the best. Um, my new friend, Aaron. Yep, dear friend. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Craig. Official handshake. Thank you, buddy.